Well, isn't it a good day to be at church today? Um, I don't know about you. I honestly, I, I really do look forward to being at church on Sundays, and it's it's fun. It's it's great getting to see each other, catch up, uh, learn together, and I'm just glad we're able to do this each week. So I thank you guys for joining us here. Thank those watching online too, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or on our website. Glad you guys have joined in today. Um, and we get to continue this series about the living word. We'll be in John 14 through 16, and uh, we're kind of going verse by verse through these chapters and, and learning together. So uh, I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are too. We talked last week in John 14, verse 1 through 14, about Jesus being in the, the upper room and, and really that the importance that his words carried because he was leaving his final instructions. Uh, they were scared. They were worried. And, and he's telling them, right, it's going to be okay. You remember, he, he told them, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I come back, um, then I'm going to get you. <laughs> I'm not going to forget about you. And so he's, he's helping him and he's telling them, you don't have to be worried because, and that where we kind of go into today, he's going to be leaving us the Holy Spirit. So our focus today is talking about the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's something that um, I, I think either gets ignored or maybe uh, abused in churches today. Uh, so we really want to kind of get a biblical view of what the Holy Spirit is. Uh, now, I, I, I read this this week, and um, it's kind of interesting. Um, we talked about this in our Discover Theology class, too, that the mark of being filled by the Holy Spirit... Um, sometimes we think of it as spiritual gifts and things like that. But the true mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit is the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And Paul talks about this over in Galatians 5. And this is what he says in Galatians 5. And I, I just kind of want to start off by talking about the Holy Spirit this morning by saying this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And so Paul's talking about this battle, this this uh, flesh versus the spirit battle. He goes on to list the works of the flesh. Then in verse 22, he jumps into the, the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And so what he's doing here, he's laying out, if you're a believer, right, the mark of the Holy Spirit on your life is that you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We're going to be focusing today on the love, on the love. That's, that's the one we want to kind of zero in and the one that Jesus is talking about here. Uh, I, I read this week, it's kind of interesting, a pastor said this about the Holy Spirit, and I, I, I just thought it was good. He said, uh, being filled of, of the Holy Spirit is like that waterfall of a glaze on each Krispy Kreme donut as it moves down the conveyor belt. Each donut gets it and each one is better for it. Now, I don't know about his theology comparing the Holy Spirit to the donut glaze at Krispy Kreme, but man, he's got good taste in donuts, right? 
There is nothing better than watching that. Hey, do y'all, I mean, I, I love watching that machine coat the donut. So that is, that is something else. Um, have you ever just wanted to lay on the conveyor belt yourself? <laughs> you know, he, but think about it. I mean, that, that it's, it covers it. I mean, it's covered by that glaze. It just makes it better. That's what the Holy, the Holy Spirit makes us better. The Holy Spirit is inside of us, changing us and, 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 and helping us to be more like Jesus. And so, uh, with that being said, and now you're hungry, we get to jump in. And, yeah, and we get to jump in and, and kind of uh, talk about this message. Now, uh, since I'm talking about uh, stuff I read on the internet too, maybe you've seen this slogan or this meme online. And I've always seen this and I didn't know what it meant. Keep calm and carry on. Have y'all seen that? I always just assumed this was a beer slogan. I don't know why. Just remind me. And so, I, but I did not. So I researched it a little bit. Um, this was a, a propaganda poster from Great Britain during World War II. And so what they did, they printed this up, put it everywhere during World War II to try to tell people it's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. It was to, to, to give people comfort during the war. Now, we've kind of, it kind of caught, uh, I guess, got popular again around 2000. They started putting it on t-shirts, and, and they, you would see things like keep calm and eat a donut, or keep calm and chill out, or, or, or you know, all sorts of different things. A lot of them, some of them inappropriate too. But this, this whole um, thing today, I, I would say, I could summarize the message today is keep calm and love Jesus. Keep calm and love Jesus. If we want to focus in... Uh, on, on what the Christian life looks like when we have the Holy Spirit indwelling inside of us. It's just keep calm and love Jesus. It's going to be all right. right? Uh, we, we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry because we've got Jesus. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so, again, let me kind of catch up from last week. Um, the disciples, they're in the upper room. Jesus had washed their feet, taught about serving one another. He had the Last Supper with them. And, and this is when he dropped the bombshell. One of you is going to betray me. Peter, in fact, you're going to deny me. In fact, I'm getting ready to leave you. This, this is my final meal with you. And this is where they're, they're, the, the disciples are, are like, wait a minute, but we don't know where you're going and what are you doing? And, and he's like, but of course, you know where I'm going. He's like, no, we don't. And he's trying to explain to them and prepare them and, and comfort them. And, and they're scared. They're worried. They, they're, they're anxious about all that. They, they don't understand. Their, their whole worldview is getting rocked right now because to them, I mean, Jesus is supposed to, to save us and, and rescue us and, and free us from this Roman oppression. And, and we don't understand what's about to happen. And, and he's saying, hey, I'm leaving you, but it's better for you. In fact, you know, I'm coming back to get you. All this, he's just trying to give them some peace. Last week he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's the first thing he told them, right? It's going to be okay. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, and again, I, I, I'm sorry, I had to show this because since we were talking about donuts, is this what Jesus meant when he said he was going to prepare a place for us? <laughs> it's much better than that. Okay, I'm just telling you. Um, I'm just telling you, it's going to be better than that even. It's going to be beyond comprehension what he is doing 
to prepare a place for it. And, and you can't eat Chick-fil-A anyway because it's Sunday. So we become troubled because of the world we live in. And let's just be honest. We, it's, you may be here this morning, and, and maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's just stress. Maybe it's just you look at this world around us and all the politics and all the craziness. And, and you're here this morning, and you're like, man, we don't really have a lot of hope. Uh, man, I, I'm frustrated about this. I, I don't have peace about this, this world I'm living in. And, and you're here, and you're carrying that weight on you. And I just want to tell you, keep calm and love Jesus. Keep calm and love. It's going to be all right. So let's kind of take that phrase, keep calm and love Jesus, break it down. We're going to start with the love Jesus part, okay? So let's start with about talking about love Jesus. What you're going to see throughout this passage today in John 14 is this idea of love Jesus keeps bringing up. But it's not a love that we kind of normally associate. It's not this feeling. It's not this infatuation. It's not this. He says, no, you, you prove your love by the way you live. In fact, this is how he says in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, obey my commands. But he doesn't stop there. Just to make sure we get the point. Sometimes Jesus repeats himself. This is one of those times. Verse 21, we skip ahead. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Verse 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Verse 24, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. Do you kind of see a theme here? Do you see this repetition all right, he, he's repeating himself over. He's like, wait a minute, you guys, you've got to get this. This is important, right? Uh, this, he tells them what love looks like, and it's not based on keeping religious rituals. It's what the Pharisees, the religious leaders were doing. They, they were keeping all the rituals going through the motions. He's like, if you really love me, you're going to care enough about what I say to listen to me and to obey them. In other words, it's based on a relationship. It's based on this relationship. It's not an obligation. In this relationship, we learn to trust Jesus. We learn to obey Jesus. So uh, it, it's where they, he's telling, this is where you're going to find your joy and your satisfaction. So how do, how, do the, the, how do the disciples show their love for Jesus? Long after he's gone, that kind of my first point on how we love Jesus obedience is how we demonstrate our love obedience is how we demonstrate our love uh, he, he just sets the tone with this passage if you love me you're going to obey my commands you're going to keep my commandments so there's a direct relationship between loving God and obeying him um, but let, let me kind of just point out what he's not saying he's not saying right that if we are obedient God will love us I'm afraid that's how we read it sometimes we're like, if, if I do what I'm supposed to do, if I'm a good person, if I live my life right, if I try really hard, maybe the good will outweigh the bad and God will accept me. You see, that's what a lot of people in our world think. They try to be good enough to gain God's favor. They think God will love me if I'm good enough. But that's not the gospel message. The gospel message is that God loved us while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us. 
The gospel message is we cannot be good enough on our own. That's why Jesus came. The gospel message is that God loves us in spite of our sin. And because of that love, we can be brought back into relationship with him through what Jesus has done. And now out of gratitude, out of love, we follow him. And, and so we've got to get the cause and the effect right here. We've, we've got to understand the progression. We don't obey, so God loves us. We love God because, and we obey Him because He's first loved us. That makes sense? This is huge that we, we understand this. In fact, in, in 1 John 3, this is how Jesus says it, or how it, John says it here. He says, This is His commandment. We must believe in the name of His Son, believe first. Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And he know he, we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. So we obey out of a heart of love. We obey because of what Jesus has done. It's our response to him. It's our mark of obedience, right? We, we don't earn his love by obeying. We obey because he loves us first. I, I, I'll just explain this. If I say, and I, I love college football, and I'm so, are y'all glad college football is finally back on TV? We're out of this dry spell of, of baseball. So some of y'all are baseball fans, I'm sorry. But football is back. And so um, if I say, I love football, and then you asked me today, well, well, Mike, who won yesterday? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't watch anything. Would you say, do I really love it? Right? Now, Jennifer does not love college football season. Um, but um, she, she'll get me back in a few months. Okay? Um, if, if I say, I love my wife. Okay, I'm getting myself in trouble here. And I don't spend time with her. Now, do I really love her? Right? The, the thing is, we say we love a lot of stuff. I love pizza, but you really, is that what we're talking about here, right? We've got to understand that when we say we love something, we demonstrate it by our actions. I'll give you another example. Um, maybe you've raised some teenagers before. If you've raised girls and boys, they're a little different. There's a point in the uh, maturing process of a teenage boy where things change. All of a sudden, you, you notice that they're actually paying attention to what they wear. They go in the closet and they say, does this look good? And, and they're wanting stuff clean. And all of a sudden, and not just that, you notice that they're like making sure their hair's done right. And, and all of a sudden, you notice they start taking showers. I've raised two teen boys. I, I've been through this. And like they even like wash their car and clean it out. And you're like, what is going on in it? Oh, there, there's someone that has got their attention, right? They're, they have a new affection that changes their perspective on life. And now they start thinking about how they live and how they present themselves. What happened? They, they, something got hold of them. They, 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 they realized that, right? Uh, girls aren't like that. Girls just, they actually, I don't know, they just, they're different. Uh, they actually take showers without having to tell them. So I don't understand this about boys. Um, but here's, here's the application. When a person loves Jesus, 
You don't have to tell them to do certain things in their life. They already want to do it. You see, right? When you love something, you don't have to guilt them into doing it. You don't have to pressure them. You don't have to say, you'll do this if. You just do it. Because what you do in a relationship. That's the point here we're trying to, to, to make. That's, that's what we're trying to, to understand. So that's the first thing, right? Our obedience, right, is how we demonstrate our love. Here's the second. The Holy Spirit is what gives us the power to love. The Holy Spirit gives us the power, right? The Holy Spirit is an enabler. He enables us to do what we cannot do on our own. Uh, and so Jesus knows that, the, that as Christians we cannot love well by our own power. We need someone to help us, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit has been sent in our lives to help us to love Jesus and to help us to love others. John 14, 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Another advocate. He's just reminding his disciples again, you are not going to be alone. You don't have to do this on your own. He uses this word advocate in some of your translations. In English, we have a really tough time with this word. There's not like a direct word in our language that kind of uh, says what this is. And, and so you'll see advocate, uh, comforter, counselor, helper. Um, and all those words kind of give you the context and kind of help you understand. The, the actual word, if we kind of translate it from the Greek into English, is paraclete. Um, and if you break that word down, uh, you kind of understand a little more about it. Para means you come alongside. You come alongside. Um, and, and so uh, para, like you think of a paramedic. It's, it's a person that comes alongside, a medic that comes alongside a doctor. A parallel line is a line that comes alongside another line. Uh, right? Para is that it, it comes along. Uh, the, the cleat or the cletos, uh, uh, it means um, that you are call it means um, to call. So a paraclete is someone who is called to come alongside of someone else. So that's kind of the Holy Spirit is called to come alongside us and help us. That's why it's comforter, advocate. It's it's someone who is beside us. And, and we talked about this in our Discover Theology class, but uh, the, the Holy Spirit is not a force, it's a person. We understand that, right? Sometimes our theology of the Holy Spirit is more informed by Star Wars than the Bible. We think of the Holy Spirit as that force that's out there kind of enabling us if we just acknowledge and understand and use the force, we can do it. That's not what the Holy... The Holy Spirit is a person that indwells us, that is inside of us. When, when a little kid, I have Jesus inside my heart, they're telling the truth. Right? They're saying, as a believer, I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, coming alongside me to help me, to give me the power what I, to do what I cannot do on my own. Now, everyone, everyone say, hey, that, hey, love is important, but it's usually thought of as a feeling. Always, a lot of times in weddings, and I officiate weddings, and, you know, talk about 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and love is kind. You know, you got to get your wedding voice going. And, and you're, doing, you're sharing this whole thing about love. And, but the truth is, there are times that you have to love even when you don't feel very lovable or don't feel very loving. 
right? In marriage, love is a choice you make each day that you wake up that you're going to love the other person. There are times you don't want to love them. (laughs) There are times you want to be right. (laughs) But you've got to learn, right? Love is more than a feeling. It's a choice. And we make that choice to follow Jesus. There are times we're like, but I really don't want to obey God. Let's be honest. There are times you're like, I really want to go and do things my way. I really want to go and I, don't, I know what Jesus says, but here's what I want to do. But love is that choice we make, even when we don't always feel like it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him. He knows best. So that's why we love Jesus. So let's kind of move to the second part of that. What about keeping calm? How do we keep calm in the midst of all this worry and craziness in the world? And, and how do we, if, if we love Jesus, I'm telling you, it's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the way you view the world. It's going to give you a peace that you've never had before. So I want to give you, from this, the rest of this passage this morning, I want to give you four reasons how, why we can stay calm, why we can keep calm. Here's the first. We can keep calm. We've already talked about this because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, it changes everything. It changes everything. John 14, 17. He, he's already said, I'm sending you the advocate. He's going to come. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it, it, it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So in essence, Jesus is saying, I'm with you now. And so you have the Holy Spirit with you. Later when I'm gone, you're going to have the Holy Spirit in you. And that's what's going to change everything. Um, and, And so we can keep calm because we're not alone. The Spirit is living inside of us. That's why we're calling this whole series the living Word. We have the Word inside of us instructing us and telling us what to do. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, there's a passage that talks about the living Word. It says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so... So how does that happen? How does God see our hearts? How does God know what we're thinking? It's through the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And so uh, this is so important, right? The the Holy Spirit has come to fulfill the role that Jesus filled with his disciples. He even told them, if we skip ahead to John 16, and we'll come back to this uh, later in the sermon series, He said, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I'll send him to you. I want you to picture in your mind, uh, first century, the disciples with Jesus. They spent three years with him. Um, When they needed to travel from Galilee to Jerusalem, right, 60, 70 miles, they needed to go to Jericho even farther. Um, They had all these places they would go. They had a lot of time together. And do you ever think, there's a lot that we don't know, of, of, a lot of discussions that we don't have that are in the Bible, right? I mean, you think all the time. I, just in my mind, I think all the time, the disciples had to ask Jesus a ton of questions. Don't you, I mean, 
you know, sometimes your kids will ask you, well, why is this and why is this and why is that and why? And you finally just say, hey, can you be quiet just a little while? You don't have to talk. Let's play the silent game, right, with your kids. I have to think that Jesus was, like, that he was constantly being asked questions about, well, Jesus, why did this happen? Well, Jesus, why did this? Well, Jesus, how do I handle this situation? Jesus, why don't you just strike down that person because they're annoying me, right? I mean, I think they're, in their minds, they're constantly asking question after question after question after question to Jesus, and so for Jesus to say, it is better that I leave you and that you receive the Holy Spirit, the disciples have to be, well, but wait a minute, we, we ask you questions all the time. You're here with us. You're right beside me. And I've taught before in sermon series, I mentioned a book that J.D. Greer wrote, the pastor down in Raleigh. He, he wrote a book that the spirit inside you is better than the Jesus, uh, yeah, the spirit inside you is better than the Jesus beside you have to say that right have to that's a tongue twister but we don't think of that we like man if i just had jesus beside me i wish i could ask him questions i could ask him all of this and what to do and and jesus like wait a minute when when i was with you when i was here physically on earth with you then yes you could talk to me uh when i was beside you but there are times that you couldn't because i wasn't when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be different because the Holy Spirit is always with you in every single moment of every single day. And, and do you ever, do we view the Holy, the Holy Spirit again as a person? It's a person that we can talk to, we can receive power from that will guide us, will reveal truth to us. He has come along beside of us to help us live the life that God has called us to live. Can I just tell you that the failure of the American church, in my opinion, is the, the, the failure to realize that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We, we, we try to do things on our own power. We think we can outsmart every, the world and everything else and we can do things without God's help. And we have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. Okay, i got to get off my soapbox. But this is important, right? There, th this whole idea, he's never going to leave us. We always have access to the, 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 the Holy Spirit. This is huge. And in essence, what this is, too, it's a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. If you look at Ezekiel, uh, there was a, God made a promise to his people. He said, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. And I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. What enables us to love God? It's the new heart we receive. It's the new spirit inside of us. And so this, again, this is huge. This is, we can keep calm because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Here's the second thing. We can keep calm because we are united with Christ. We are united with Christ. John 14, verse 18. He says, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This whole concept in theology called that we are in union with Christ. Uh, we don't talk about it enough. 
Over 90 times in the New Testament, it says we are in Christ. In Christ. What does that mean? All right. The best way to describe this whole idea of we, we're being united with Christ, we're, we have union with Christ, is to say that, um, um, I would say it this way, it says that you live in Jesus and Jesus lives in you. We have this connection. We have this connection because of the Holy Spirit inside us, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. It means that uh, what Christ has done represents us. So when he came and lived that perfect life, we are united in that life. Because of that now, we have lived a good life, a perfect life, a life that we could not have done on our own power, but he took our place. It means when he was raised from the dead, we are now resurrected from the dead ourselves. We now can have eternal life because Jesus conquered death in the grave. He did it for us. He did it, and we, in essence, did it with us, right? When he is raised to life, we are united with him. Uh, that's why Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The new life is in Christ. In Christ. We're different now. Um, and so because of that, we, ha we don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. We, don't have we can be calm, right? We can be calm because of what Jesus has done, because we are in Christ now. What he has done has covered our sins, atoned for our sins, has made us right before God. We've been justified before God. Now we can live for him. So that's the second thing. I'll keep moving. The third thing, we can keep calm because we are loved by the Father. Let's keep going and see what Jesus tells his disciples. He says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, and a little aside here, it's not that Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Father who sent me. I think some of the teaching from Jesus can challenge us at times, but some of it just comforts us. And here's a passage that just gives us comfort. It's like if we have this relationship with Jesus... Uh, the, the relationship we have with Jesus is extended through the relationship with God the Father. The God the Father loves us as well. And because of that, we don't have to be scared of God the Father. I think so many of us have this, uh, this, this picture of God the Father as a, an angry guy up in heaven that's just waiting for us to mess up so he can send some calamity our way. So he can just, just, just send a lightning bolt the minute we mess up. So he can just condemn us. That's not a picture of God at all. God the Father loves us. And so uh, this, this is an image of a loving relationship between the believer and the God who created him, his heavenly Father. And so, again, we don't earn our love through obedience. We just demonstrate it. And it's through that relationship that we love each other. J.I. Packer, he said this. He said, we are the Father's children. 
Jesus wants his disciples to be assured of the Father's love. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So what Acker is saying there, right, this idea, we need to understand that God is our father and a father loves his children. He's the perfect father. He's not going to let us down. He's not... He's not going to mess up. He is the perfect father. John 13, 35, if we back up, Jesus even said, right, your love for one another is going to be the proof to the world that you are my disciple. This is the kind of love that we, we, I mean, love is the mark. It's the proof that we are the disciple, that we have a relationship with God the Father. And that brings me to my fourth and final point this morning. We can keep calm. Because God promises us peace. God is all we need. Let's keep going here. And I love this passage. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give you is a, peace, is a, is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Some of you just need to stop right there, highlight this, circle it, and say, okay, this is the, pe- this is the gift from God. It's don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that this world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. This point, we think they stood up from the upper room and started making their way down the hill into the Kidron Valley, across the Kidron Valley, up to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not a long walk. Um, You can see from... Uh, the upper room area on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. You can look across the valley and and see the Garden of Gethsemane just from the hillside. You can see it across the way. Um, But this is a time now that Jesus is gathering his disciples. He's he's told them what he needs to tell them, and he's not done yet, but he's preparing them. And and just imagine again, you're, you're one of his disciples. You're there with him. He's been telling you all this stuff, but still... He's your teacher, but he's also your friend. You don't want him to leave. You want him to stay with you. I mean, it's since it, there's still work to be done. We're not, they're not done. They're not finished. And they don't understand all this. And if you've ever had a good teacher or a parent, you don't want to lose them. You, want, you don't want them to leave you. You want to be with them. And yet he's like, don't, don't feel bad. Don't. You need to, in fact, understand that you're going to have peace about this. I can imagine that the last thing in their mind at this time was like, peace? Peace? I don't have peace. And it's even more interesting when you understand their culture. In Hebrew, the, Greek, uh, in Hebrew, the word for peace is shalom. And it's, um, in Greek, the word means the same thing. It's a little different, but it's the same, same concept. This is so important. If you greet somebody in Israel, what, you know what you say? You don't say hello. You say shalom, right? 
It's a, just their greeting. And it, it's more than, it, we think of peace as absence of conflict. Like peace is just people aren't fighting right now. But peace to them meant wholeness. It meant things were the way they're supposed to be. It meant that, that you were healed. It meant that you were complete. This idea of peace is like we are resting in the Father. And so when he says, that's the kind of peace I'm going to leave you. Completeness, wholeness. I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a peace that the world cannot provide. Because it, it's not that you're just, things are going good in the moment, in the circumstance. It's like, no, I'm making you complete. And because of that, that's the peace that we can have. A peace that transcends all understanding, as Paul later tells us. And so, I just to, to wrap up, a lot of people are worried. A lot of people are troubled. A lot of people are anxious. We look at this world around us. We don't un always understand why things are happening. And I see some people just honestly just freaking out over politics and over fear and over worry and over stress and over jobs and finances and the stock market. Keep calm and love Jesus. Amen? If we keep our focus on that, it's going to change how it's going to change our whole outlook on life. Instead of being consumed about fear, we're going to actually start understanding we're part of the kingdom of God. God can use us. He, he can use us to share the gospel right where we are, right in the midst of any problem, any circumstance. Now, this world, it may get worse. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I honestly think it's going, going to get worse, right? Doesn't change, that doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change His promises. And He promises us peace. And so I, I just want to challenge you this morning to look uh, to and understand that you have a comforter, you have a helper, you have an advocate, you have a person that is living inside of you. The same Holy Spirit, right, that Jesus promised lives in you. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. The choice now is are you going to allow it to fill you and lead you in your life? You're going to trust it. Are you going to do things your own way? And so I want to just challenge you again. We have nothing to fear because we have Jesus. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful that you love us. And even in our deepest troubles, even in our deepest pain, you are there. You have not forgotten us. You have not forsaken us. You still care about us. You still love us. I'm so thankful that the God that created us wants a relationship with us. And so today, Lord, I, I pray that for each person here, each person listening online, that they would be able to understand the depth of your love for us. And that our only response to that love is to love you in return, to obey your commands, to live for you out of gratitude, not out of guilt, but out of gratitude. Lord, I pray that you would help us through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us to love others, to love God. Give us opportunities to share your love. Give us opportunities to tell others about Jesus. Give us opportunities to disciple others and teach them more about following Jesus. And Lord, give us the peace that we all need, the wholeness, the completeness, 
the purpose, the plan that you have for us. Lord, when we understand that, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. And so today, Lord, that's what we ask for, your, your, your love and your peace. Lord, I pray for this church, pray for the people that you would help them understand who you are. And so if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their heavenly father, that today would be that day, man, that would change their life, where they would say, I believe, I trust, and I'm going to follow. Lord, help us to live like that. Help us to understand how much Jesus loves us, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he defeated death, and that because of that, we can now have a relationship with you. We now have a new heart that you have given us. Today, Lord, we just thank you for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen.